My name is Mark, and if you're visiting with us today, I'm one of the pastors here, and I've been so for 13 or 14 years, something like that. It's my privilege uh, to fill this pulpit and uh, on uh, most Sundays of the, of the year, and I take a Sunday off uh, every, every now and then, a couple of Sundays from now, Sue and I will be practicing our retirement. We'll be in Florida. I feel like we need a lot of practice on that, don't you? And uh, so uh, Pastor Mike will be here, I think it's on uh, the 12th maybe or 11th, one of those Sundays, and then we'll be back right after that. But uh, we're in a series of messages. Well, first of all, if you are visiting with us, we've got a gift for you. I've, I've written four of these daily devotionals, and we'd like for you to take one. And uh, they're right back here by this doorway, and so if you're visiting with us or or are relatively new to us and have never received one of these, we'd like for you to pick up one of those as our gift to you and hope that can help you uh, in your devotional life, okay? We're in a series of messages um, talking about our future and, and the truth that I'm trying to get across. And I think you all know, and I don't think any of us really like this truth, but I think we all know it to be true, is that the future that all of us are facing and the future that we will enjoy or maybe not enjoy is a product of the choices that we make now. And I think we all know that. My dad was obvious, uh, constantly getting on me about procrastinating. Okay, Now why was he getting on me about procrastinating? Because he was saying what you do now is going to affect you in the future and of course it did it all comes down on you and stresses you out and dad was not using these kind of words about choosing your future but he was saying if you procrastinate you're making your future a lot harder than it needs to be and that's what we've talked about we we we've said that what we do today has a whole lot to determine on the future that we will enjoy or the future that we may have to uh, endure. Now, obviously, as I've said every week, I could leave here today and get hit head-on uh, by a car on, uh, on, on Detroit today and be uh, in the hospital for a month. And I may not have caused that. I didn't choose that. But obviously, I will choose how I deal with that. The details of our lives are not as much chosen as much as the direction of our lives are chosen and that's a big big difference there the details of our life are not chosen as much as the direction of our life is chosen and so that's the whole concept uh, about this sermon series and what's in your future uh, well it's a lot of it depends on what we choose in the here and now I found this quote from R.C. Sproul, who's a theologian. He's died now, but I, read, I used to read a lot from R.C. He says, Christ told his disciples not to be anxious about tomorrow, but he never said, do, never said not to consider tomorrow. He said, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. But he never, ever said, don't take tomorrow in account. He never, ever said, don't consider tomorrow tomorrow and one of the ways that we cannot worry so much about the future is that we take into account the future today and try to plan as much um, uh, a saying that's been around business a long time is that determination today 
leads to success tomorrow. And many of you have heard that. My determination today does not, may not lead to my success today. Now, I think we all know that to, to be true. I, I, as, a, as a basketball player, I can work really hard today. It may not, may not lead to success today or tomorrow, but as I continue to work hard, it will lead to success. Determination today will lead to success tomorrow until the choices that we make to be determined and to persevere today have a lot to do with the type of future that we will enjoy. Um, And so we've been talking about the choices that Moses uh, has made and those are all in Hebrews chapter 11. And Hebrews chapter 11 is called the Hall of Fame of Faith and it talks about what faith does. Okay, faith, listen, faith is not just a feeling. Faith is not something you have. Faith is shown in my life by something I do. Faith is a verb. And all through the 40-some-odd verses of Hebrews chapter 11, it says, by faith, and then it has a person's name, and then it'll have a verb. By faith, they did this. And so we've been saying, uh, showing you that out of Moses' life from Hebrews chapter 11. So let's look at those verses, verses 24 through 28, speak of Moses' life. By faith, Moses, and what's the verb? Refused. By faith, Moses, after he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And I spent 40 minutes talking about that verse on how we can't let other people define us. And if that's a topic that you're interested in and your own personal identity and and being who God has called you to be and not who someone else has called you to be, that message is online somewhere. So by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. So he said one great choice to make, we got it right there from from verse 26, is that short-term pain is a good thing to endure because many times it will lead to long-term gain. Moses... um, Uh, chose not to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin and hang out in the Egyptian palace. He chose short-term pain. And if any of us are going to be successful in the Christian life, in business life, in athletic life, in parenting life, in any kind of life, we have to exchange short-term pain for long-term gain. We've always heard that, and and that seems like a secular statement, but it shows up through the Bible uh, everywhere, okay? He regarded, Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value. He valued that more than the treasures of Egypt, than the treasures of staying in in, um, the Egyptian palace. And if you know the story of of Moses, you you know that story of how he was adopted. A little Hebrew boy was adopted, and he could have stayed there. He was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter and could have stayed in the Egyptian palace, but he valued more, the scripture says, um, the sake of Christ rather than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. So last week we talked about valuing what God values and not just what the world values as a really good choice that can determine a lot of your future. Verse 27 says, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the 
the king's anger, he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. 28 says, by faith he kept the Passover and the application of the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn. That's kind of confusing stuff. Firstborn of Israel. That's kind of confusing stuff. We'll get on that next week. Now go back to Hebrews 11.24, if you would there, Andy. And you see what reoccurs here five times by faith. And you'd expect that in a, in a chapter of the Bible that's called the Hall of Fame of Faith. By faith, Moses did this. By faith, verse 24 says, he did that. 25 says he chose to be mistreated rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Uh, Next verse, 26 says he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ of greater value than the treasures of Edith because of his faith that he was looking ahead to his reward. Looking ahead to his reward is another way of saying faith. He was looking ahead to his reward. Then 27 again says by faith. He left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. How do you see him who is invisible other than by faith? And then verse 28 again says, by faith, five times Moses' faith is mentioned in these verses. I want to tell you uh, this morning that faith is a good choice for your future. And one of the reasons that faith is a good choice for your future is because faith factors in eternity. Can I be an honest preacher today? We spend a lot of time preaching God's Word. And I've told you time and time again that in the whole of God's Word, if, if, if you would, would number the verses that talk about how to go to heaven as opposed to the number of verses that say that now you are a Christian, this is how you should live, it would be full of verses that says that now you are a Christian, this is how you are to live. It would dwarf the verses that say this is how you to go to heaven. But the truth of the matter is, when you, when you shake all of this Christian life out, basically this comes down to heaven or hell thing. <laughs> I want to go to heaven. Now how is it I can find out how to go to heaven. Because in the end, in the end run, when I, Harold has been there, I've been there, I've been laying, uh, standing beside the deathbed of many, many, many people. I just found, just, I was, saw Lonnie Shattuck on Friday, and Lonnie has got days to live. So weak that he, 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 as he was trying to speak to me, he couldn't garner the breath to make enough noise to speak. I've been standing there so many times. I was in the hospital uh, Friday again with, with some of you know Rod Gephardt, and, he, and he's going home on hospice care. And, and there, how many people have I stood beside them as they were dying? You know what it comes down to there? Heaven or hell. I know the Bible says all this about that now you are a Christian. This is how you are to live. And I know that's important and I preach it all the time and I'm preaching it today and all of that. But when you stand there besides Lonnie Shattuck, it comes down to heaven or hell. I'm not talking to Lonnie about how to live the Christian life. I'm talking to Lonnie about holding on to Jesus. I'm talking to Lonnie about having faith 
even his last moments of life. I'm thanking Lonnie for all that, as I did. I thanked him for everything he's done for this church, and he's been involved in so many different aspects of this church, and I thanked him for that. But when it comes, all comes down to it, it's the hope of heaven. That's hard for you that are younger to get that. Now, as I turn older, it's easy for me to understand that than it was when I was in my 30s. I want to tell you this morning, faith factors in eternity. Faith is a really, really good choice to make for our future because faith factors in eternity. This life is not about living for the moment. And if I live for the moment, I'm going to get to the end of my life and I'm going to be disappointed if I live for the moment. I'm going to be disappointed in a lot of ways. If I live for the moment, I will not properly prepare for my retirement. If I live for the moment. If I live for the moment, I won't properly raise my kids. Faith must factor in eternity. And one of the reasons that faith factors in eternity is a verse that I've quoted to you probably more than any verse I've quoted to you in my years of ministry here. Faith factors in eternity because in this world, you will have trouble. Just just admit it, friends. One one of the reasons, one one of the reasons I believe this to be God's word, one of the reasons I can put faith and I can, can lean hard on the truths of this word is because how unbelievably realistic it is. Jesus says, Mark I'm not promising you pie in the sky. I'm not saying that if you believe in me, everything in this world is going to go right with you. I'm not promising you that if you'll just believe in me, you will have health and wealth. I'm not promising you that, Mark. In fact, what I'm saying to you in John 16, 33 is, in this world, you will have trouble. I can believe somebody that tells me the truth. I can believe somebody that's just not trying to sell me a a bill of goods. And Jesus says in, in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. That's bad news. But behold, but take heart. Here's the good news. I have overcome the world. Faith factors in eternity because in this world, you're going to struggle. Now, God tells you how to make, his word tells you how to make good choices and those struggles can be less and those str- and you can deal with those struggles well and a lot of those choices are not that you will avoid trouble it's that how do you deal with the trouble you have and the realistic thing is jesus said faith factors in eternity because in this world you're going to have ups and downs and overs and unders this world is not going to be a great roller coaster ride. You're going to have emotional lows. So have your eyes on eternity. The Bible says Moses was looking for his reward. The Ecclesiastes writer Solomon, the Bible says, is the wisest man who ever lives, writes this I've seen something under the sun. The race is not to the swift. Well, if this world was the way it was supposed to be, it seems like the race would go to the fastest runner. 
But this world is not the way that it's supposed to be. It hasn't been this way since Genesis 3, the Bible tells us. This world has fallen. It's not the way that it's supposed to be. So the race does not go to the swift. The battle does not go to the strong. Nor does food come to the wise. Or wealth to the brilliant. Or favor to the learned. But time and chance happen to them all. The philosopher Solomon looking at the world and says, you know, it just... Things don't seem to work right. You know, I almost said, instead of saying faith factors in eternity, because in this world you will have trouble, I I almost said faith factors in eternity because this world is not fair. But fair is such a weird weird word. I don't want God to be fair with me. If God gives me what's fair, I'm going straight to hell. I hope you know that. You too. By the way, if God's fair with you, if he's fair, you don't want God to be fair. You want God to be gracious. You want him to be merciful. Faith factors in eternity because in this world, I'm going to struggle. You know, when you go to a funeral and you... And, and there's usually a guest book out there you sign, right? And so every guest book I've ever signed since I've been a Christian, I've signed my name, and then I put 1 Corinthians 15, 19. And that verse says, If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. <laughs> if your hope is that in Christ will make this world easier for you, if your hope is that Christ will come beside you and take care of all your troubles in this world, Paul says, you are to be pitied. You have misunderstood. You don't get it. If if only for this life, We have hope in Christ. Now, I think we can have hope in Christ in this life. I was just talking to somebody right out before I came up here, and he says, we're just trusting God with it. Of course, there's hope in Christ in this life, but uh, if that's all we have, (laughs) we've missed it. We've misunderstood. We, We have not gotten the thrust of God's word. And Paul writes that we are to be pitied. (laughs) Poor, poor Mark. He only has hope in this life. Poor, poor Mark. And there was a preacher in Houston this morning preaching in front of 30,000 people telling people to have their best life now. You know, the only way you can have your best life now is if you're bound for hell. That's the only way you have your best life now is if you're going to hell because this life, even with the troubles in it, is better than hell. This Christian life is not about having your best life now. In this world, you will have trouble. If your hope in Christ is only in this world, man, you're to be pitied. Verse I've quoted to you a lot. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 through 19. For our light and momentary struggles. What are you going through right now? 
What are you going through right now, Dave Pitts? What are you going through right now, people struggling with cancer? What are you going through, people struggling with your kids, struggling with job loss, struggling with whatever it is that you're dealing with? What are you going through now? You know what the Bible says? In the light of eternity, it's light and momentary. I know it doesn't seem light and momentary. I know it doesn't feel light and momentary. But faith is not about your feelings. For our light and momentary troubles. And since Jesus said in this world we will have trouble. So what Paul's actually saying here. For our life. The troubles we have in life. Is are achieving for us an eternal glory. That far outweighs them all. What's all? All those troubles that we dealt with. Lost. Harold and Vita have lost two grown children. For our light, and that didn't feel light and momentary to Harold and Vita, but in the light of eternity. After all, faith factors in eternity. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporal. It's real. What's happening to me is real. I'm not denying the reality and the realness of what is happening to me, but it's temporal. But what I can't see, what I can't see is eternal. The choice to exercise faith It's a really good choice for your future because faith faith takes into account eternity. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, and I say that, you know, I say that and sometimes I probably assume too much when I say Paul writes. It's not like Paul wrote it. What's the Bible say about itself? All Scripture is inspired by God. So if I would be most accurate when I would say that, I would say that God inspired Paul to write. That would be the best way I can say that. I had some lady in Georgia one time after I got done preaching, and I said Paul wrote or Matthew wrote. It's true, Paul wrote it and Matthew wrote it. And it's, it's assumed that we understand that that's written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But she came up to me afterwards, she goes, Paul didn't write it. Well, yeah, he did. Yeah, but he didn't. It's both of them. So Romans 8.18, Paul writes this, Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy to be compared to what I have waiting for me. That my present sufferings, my present struggles, my present ups and downs, the stuff I'm going through right now is not even worthy to be compared with what I will have in eternity. Faith factors in eternity. Faith factors in eternity. And that's why Paul can write in Romans that, that don't take revenge Because what I want to do 
What's the most natural and human thing that I want to do, what my flesh wants me to do, is to get back at someone who has wronged me. And, 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 and Paul writes, don't do in the here and now what pleases you. Don't take revenge, but let God handle the situation. And if revenge needs to be taken, God will deal with it. God will deal with it. So a choice that we make that is a good choice for all of our future is the choice to have faith. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is just not this gooshy little thing that gives me goosebumps faith is a verb we exercise faith faith factors in eternity and it factors in eternity because we live twice we live twice If, if we, and I put myself at the front of this line, if I could understand that and truly grab that and truly understand that more than just mentally understand it where I make my decisions in my life, wow, I think my, wife, my life would really change if I know that I live twice. Jesus talked about living twice. And so he says, because you live twice, don't store up treasures on earth. Because you live twice, don't store up treasures on earth because they'll just rust away. Or you'll just leave them for somebody else. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven where they don't rust away. Well, they won't rot. And, and then verse 21 tells us how we know that where our heart is is where our treasure will be. Verse 21 says. So how, how do we know where our treasure will be? It's where our heart really is. It's where our heart really is. For where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. Now you've heard that verse quoted so many times you've heard it preached on it sounds nice it sounds all spiritual but what in the world does it mean how do i lay up treasures in heaven i know how to lay up treasures on earth i know how to put money in my retirement account i know how to do that kind of stuff i know how to lay up treasures on earth but how in the world practically do you lay up treasures in in heaven and jesus tells us and in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus says, um, your righteousness, your righteous acts, your righteous deed, don't practice them to be seen by men. Because if you practice them to be seen by men, you'll have your reward. Boy, he's a godly guy. Now, we can't help going about our Christian life and practicing acts of righteousness in front of people because we, all, we don't live in a closet. 
So we can't help but do that. But it's the motive that's important. I don't do it so other people will see me. That's what the Bible says. I don't do it to be seen by other people. If I only, my only motive is to please God, I'm laying up treasures in heaven. If my only motive is that I would be pleasing to God, I'm laying up treasures in heaven. And if my motive is to be seen here, Jesus says in 6.1, I have my reward. So basically it comes down to, do you want the world to reward you or do you want God to reward you? And I have a sneaking suspicion that God's pat on the back will be better than the world's pat on the back. Faith factors in eternity because you live twice. You live twice. And so lay up treasures in heaven. And one of the ways you lay up treasures in heaven, at least just what Jesus said. It's not what Mark, who cares what Mark thinks? It's not what Mark says. Get, get off of putting so much emphasis on the preacher. It's not what Mark says. I can't help you. I can only help you by telling you what the Bible says. Don't listen to Mark. It's not about Mark. It's not about the preacher. It's about what the preacher says the Bible says. If he teaches the Bible to. And the Bible says, Jesus said, if you give in secret. If you give in secret. And don't blow big trumpets about what you're doing. And don't tell everybody what you're doing. And don't walk up here to the giving box. And Now, we laugh at that because nobody does that because we're sophisticated. And if we want a reward for it, we'll be a little more dignified than that. Don't. Your giving should be done in secret. It's between you and God. It's not something you have to blare to everybody. Make sure they know what it is that you're doing. If you do it that way, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 3, and 4, you already have your reward. Because you know somebody named a building after you. So we're talking about how do you lay up treasures in heaven? Faith factors in eternity. And Jesus says, don't lay up treasures here on earth. Lay them in heaven. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 6 and 16, he says, pray, pray in secret. You don't have to, you don't have to be able to show people what a good prayer you are. Jesus said, if you need to pray, go into your closet. Now, does he mean closet? No, I don't think he means closet. I think he means go to where other people are, not see you. You've got a little place where you do it, but it's not like where other people are, are seeing. Well, look how, boy, boy, Mark prayed for 30 minutes. Why are we? 
My motive is that God would reward me, not man rewarding me. It's a way to lay up treasures in heaven. It's a way to factor in eternity by the choices you make in this world today. The passage also talks about fasting. (laughs) So when you fast, it says... um, you know, you ought to dress up, put a little makeup on. Don't let people know that you're hungry. Oh, boy, I'm, I'm hanging in there. I'm up to day 28, boy. Oh, look how much weight I've lost. No, it's just dress up, man. Don't let people know what you're doing. Y'all, you hear all the time about churches. Well, we're going on a 40-day fast. Okay, the only thing I know, Jesus said, don't tell anybody you're doing it. Just do it. And what does fasting mean? It means a time that you give up food in exchange for the time that you give up food, you spend it in prayer. That's what fasting is. In prayer or doing some kind of other religious Christian stuff. If if you do it in a way that nobody knows what you're doing, you're laying up treasures in heaven. But you know what human nature wants? I can have my reward if I want it by letting other people know how good and godly and spiritual that I am. I can have my reward. Or I can do what I do in secret and allow God to reward. Did you hear me this morning? Faith factors in eternity because you live twice. You live twice. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 is an amazing verse of Scripture. We all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is the Bema seat of Christ. I don't have time to go and explain all of that, but it is not a heaven or hell judgment. This is not a judgment. Did you have faith in Christ or did you not have faith in Christ? This is a judgment on the type of Christian life you lived so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. We will stand before God and God will ask Mark. He'll say, Mark, what did you do with what I gave you? Mark, I gave you the ability to talk. What did you do with it? Mark, I gave you the greatest privilege anybody could have ever been given. You were raised in a Christian home. What did you do with that? Mark, I gave you an unbelievable wife. How did you treat her? I gave you two kids. How did you treat them? When I stand in front of God, Paul says, for the judgment seat of Christ, that I, so I may receive what is due me. For the things done in my body, whether they were good or whether they weren't. The Bible talks about rewards. I'm not talking about the reward of heaven. I'm talking about the rewards in heaven. The Bible doesn't say much about it. The Bible doesn't say much about it, but it sure is there. Well, what are you talking about rewards, Mark? What are they going to be? I have no clue. Well, who gets them and who doesn't? I have no clue. That's up to God. Well, well, I don't know. Don't ask me any more questions because I don't know. There's not very many verses about it. 
well, what do you speculate? Why do you want me to speculate? My speculation doesn't do you any good. The only thing that does you any good is why I tell you what the Bible says. And the Bible says that I'm going to get what is due me for things I've done in the body, whether they were good or whether they were bad. So I live twice. And the choices that I make now have everything to do with the type of eternity that I will enjoy. Don't ask me what this means, but Paul says in Galatians that he was called up into the third heaven. Now you tell me what that means, Bible scholar. There's no, there's no one on the face of this earth, I don't care how many letters behind their names, that knows what that means. But Paul says he was called up into the third heaven. If there's a third heaven, does that mean there's a first and a second heaven? I don't know. But when you put it together with the teaching about rewards, you would have to say, hmm. And the preeminent passage on this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul writes that, that no one can lay any foundation other than what has been laid in Jesus Christ. So the foundation of my life is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there is no other foundation like that. If I'm building on a foundation of my works, I'm bound for hell. If I'm building on a foundation of Jesus and my trust and faith in what he has did, I'm bound for heaven. But then I build on that. Anyone who builds on that foundation, builds my Christian life on that foundation, they can build with all kinds of different materials. They can build with gold. They can build with silver. They can build with fine jewels if they want to. Or they can build with wood. They can build with uh, hay. And they can build with straw. Obviously, Gold, silver, and jewelry are good things to build with. Obviously, wood, hay, and straw are perishable things. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. And what happens to those who have built on wood, hay, and straw? What happens to those who are built on gold, silver, and fine jewels? The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, wood, hay, and stubble, poof, it doesn't survive. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. Not heaven or hell. How do you know it's not heaven or hell, Mark? Because it's, read the next verse. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved. But like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. You don't need a preacher to teach you that verse. It says what it says. You know what it says? It says some people are going to make it to heaven. And they're going to smell like smoke when they get there what it says doesn't it i'm not making any of that up because their earthly life burn up
Some people, they built with gold, silver, and fine jewels. They made it through the fire, and they will receive a reward. What kind of reward? No clue. No clue. Read all you want to. Google this all afternoon, and you still won't know. Nobody knows. The Bible does talk about some crowns we can win in heaven, but it doesn't say really what the crowns are and what, the, what kind of reward that'll be. It just talks about the crowns that we can win. What I'm trying to tell you is faith factors in eternity because you live twice. And because you live twice, you store up treasures in heaven. And the Bible gives you I just listed a few. The Bible gives you several ways, lots of ways, that you lay up treasure in heaven. Best life now? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The only way you have your best life now is if you're bound for hell. Your best life is to come. Because in this world, you have trouble. But behold, Jesus says, I've overcome the world. And if you place your faith and trust in me, you've got eternity waiting for you that you can't even imagine. There is no one. And all these words that are used to describe heaven are just there, I think, because when, when John is describing heaven in the book of the Revelation, he, he uses all these words that are kind of weird, and I just think John, as a human being, didn't have any other way to describe it. Are, are they really streets of gold? You know what? Maybe they are, but maybe they just look so good they look like streets of gold. I don't know. I don't care. It's better than Zeno, Ohio. <laughs> so as I close, I want to bear down. Don't misunderstand me. I think I've been a good teacher this morning, and I think it, it's hard for you to misunderstand me. I'm not talking about standing in front of judgment seat of God for a heaven or hell type of judgment that has been taken care of by your faith and trust in the life death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ if you are trusting him that he has all sufficient merit and you don't but our earthly life evidently will have some merit on the type of heaven that we will live. The cornerstone, the verse I read, 1 Corinthians 3, the cornerstone is laid in Christ. And then we build on that. You know, if you've ever built a house, you ain't going, you ain't going much without a solid foundation. Not, not much happening. 
And if your foundation is Christ, then you build on that and you choose how you build on that house, how you build the house, with what type of materials. And you'll be rewarded about the house that you built as long as your foundation is in Christ. Is that true for you today? You know where most people's foundation is in this world? It's in them and what they do. After all, they say, I'm not perfect, but I'm not as bad as. And the one you're comp- you need to be comparing yourself to is. And when we compare ourselves to him, there is no other foundation that can be laid. Our servers are coming to the table. Father. Only you have all sufficient merit. May we believe that down to the marrow of our bones. May we live that way. But your word does talk about building a house. Our foundation is in Christ, but we can build, we can choose what type of materials to build with. Help us to choose stuff that will make it through the fire of judgment. Help us to live this life making choices that show that we know that we will live twice. And we know those will be really great choices for our future. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.